Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I am joined with another one of my good friends, Mina Ba. Hi, Mina. Hi. So, are you excited to be here? Oh, yeah, I'm super <laughs> excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I hope I can solve yeah, thanks this. Thanks for coming. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I'm going to like have a little faith in myself, so we'll see how it goes. I think you can do it. This is a good one. Hello, just a quick update. This is Caitlin of the Future here. I did not realize when I was recording this episode that it was going to be Agatha Christie's birthday when it was releasing. So happy birthday, Agatha Christie. You go, girl. And secondly, I am now doing tea pairings with all of my episodes. So for this episode, I would recommend, if you can get your hands on it, that you drink either Earl Grey or Lady Grey tea as a nod to the beautiful Agatha Christie and because this is a Miss Marple and she's a beautiful lady. Thanks, guys. Back to the episode. You told me before that you haven't read any Agatha Christie's, but have you seen and like the Murder on the Orient Express movie or Knives Out or anything like that? No, I'm supposed to watch Knives Out with Emma on Monday, though, so... Ooh, you're gonna enjoy it. It's good. I'm excited. I'm super excited to watch the movie. <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things about it, so... Okay, well, this will be, like, your your pre, pre-movie pre mystery. Okay. Get you into the zone. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so we are doing today another Agatha Christie. This is um, A Murder is Announced, is the title. And it was written in 1950, so like post-World War II, and it's a Miss Marple mystery. What's a Miss Marple mystery? So Agatha Christie has like three main detective characters. Her, I'd probably most famous is Hercule Poirot, who's like, he's the one that's been in the movies, uh, in the recent movie, The Murder on the Orient Express. And he, there's a new movie coming out this October that is starring Hercule Poirot. And so Miss Marple is another one of those characters. And her character is like old lady who is really perceptive of human nature. So like all of the the characters in this book, she would compare them to someone in her head about like, oh, that reminds me of such and such at in my hometown or my village that did this and this and this. And that reminds me of them for whatever reason. Oh my God. Oh, that's kind of wild. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she's just like, I don't know. She's described as like really cute. Oh. Well, that's how I think of her. Maybe she's not described that way, but you know, like a little old lady. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Okay. Should we get into it? Yeah. Let's go. So this book starts out in um, this little town called Chipping Cleghorn, which is all, all the names in this book are actually kind of fun. Like this is just, just the beginning. So this is the village and every morning there, um, all the village people get delivered their morning paper. And on this particular morning, in the personal column of the Gazette, where you could post your own ads, there was a notice that said, A murder is announced and will take place on Friday, October 29th at Little Paddocks at 6.30pm. Friends, please accept this, the only intimation. What? Oh my gosh. Okay. Wait, can, can you repeat that? <laughs> yes. I'll give you I'll give you kind of the gist because the idea is that so it starts out a murder is announced okay. and then it's saying when it's going to take place Friday October 29th at a at Little Paddocks. Little Paddocks is the name of a house. So in this 
like I guess time period and place in England, you wouldn't necessarily have a house number. You just your house would have a name. Oh, okay. Oh, that's kind of fancy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's cute, right? So Little Paddocks is the name of the house. And then it's kind of inviting anyone reading this this announcement in the paper to come to come to the house for the murder. What? Like an audience? Yeah, right? So there's obviously a lot of confusion. And so all the village people are reading this and going, <laughs> your reaction, what? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe something to do with, I don't know, the t- again, the time period, maybe because it's British. What these people are cluing, cluing into is that it's a game of murder. And I think what you and I know that as is the game Mafia. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Oh my gosh. I remember when we played that in V1. So much fun. There you go. Okay. So it's it's that type of idea of you go to someone's house and the lights are turned off and someone's been told they're the murderer and they go around like tapping people on the shoulder and then there's a detective and yada, yada, yada. Oh, okay. Okay. So through through everyone reading the paper and kind of giving their reaction, we're introduced to the characters that are going to be involved in this book. So first we have this lady named Mrs. Swettenham. Mrs. Swettenham? Yeah. <laughs> Swettenham, yes. Okay, cool. I'm telling you, all the names in this in this book are particularly funny. I love this. <laughs> so she's described as like a nice lady she had lived in india for a while with her son edmund who is a writer or at least he's trying to be a writer and he's in his like mid-20s okay is there like an age for actually i guess an age is not really that important yeah i don't i don't think they give an age for mrs swettenham there's just like she's the mother i don't know 40 40s yeah I guess it really doesn't matter honestly but yeah okay cool (laughs) and then we have Colonel Easterbrook and he had worked out east and he has a much younger wife Mrs. Easterbrook and I like just trying to sum up her description she's like a little doll like she's small and kind of like cutesy like that's her personality in my opinion okay and then we have Miss Hinchliff and her partner, Miss Murgatroyd. And that's the real kicker of a name, Murgatroyd. What? Okay, so Mitch, Miss Hinchliff and Miss Hergatroyd? Yep. Murgatroyd with <laughs> oh, an Oh, Murgatroyd. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so they're described in the book as, like, just two women living together in a house and like that they're friends, quote unquote. Oh. But I would like to think that it wasn't viewed f- nicely to be a lesbian couple at that time. And yeah. so that's why it's like written about like this. I was but gonna, I'm going to assume they're a lesbian couple. Yeah, I was going to say like Agatha Christie seems pretty progressive, you know, lesbian couple in her book. But maybe yeah. <laughs> she also, yeah. I don't, I, we could give her the benefit of the doubt, but you know. Yeah. We're just interpreting it like our way in like the lens of 2020. Yes, exactly. So the uh, Miss Hinchliffe and Miss Murgatroyd, they're tending, they tend to their pigs and hens. Like they're kind of, that's what they're into. And that's, that's kind of common around town. Like a lot of people are gardeners and grow their own fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. Then lastly, we have Mrs. Harmon and she's the vicar's wife. And she's kind of described as just, like, loving life, loving her family, like, just a very happy person. So she's a vicar's wife? 
Yeah, like the reverend in town. Oh, okay. So she's like a happy person. Yeah. And so the the reverend or the vicar, whatever you want to call them, the priest, they don't factor into the story too much. It's mostly just the wife that comes into it. Okay. Writing this all down reminds me like I'm back in class and trying to like keep up. Yeah. <laughs> so I get that I get that every single time. <laughs> don't don't worry too much. Like just try and focus on the story. And if you want me to come back to anything, like I'll just repeat it. Okay, cool. Okay. So while all of this is going on in the village, the occupants of Little Paddocks, so that the house that was mentioned in the ad, they're also reading the morning paper, but they have a very different reaction because they didn't write it. Like they didn't put it in the paper. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. The owner of the house, her name is Letitia Blacklock, and she goes by Letty, and she thinks it's a practical joke. And... At first, like, clearly, I don't think she, like, vocalizes this, but her first reaction is that it's her nephew that's also living in the house, Patrick. But he, like, vehemently denies it and, like, I would never do that. Like, that's not my style. So to describe some of the occupants of the house, we have Letitia Blacklock or Letty, and she's, like, a very efficient, practical woman you know, she can, she can fend for herself and she's dressed, you know, pretty proper. She always wears like a, a choker of pearls around her neck. Ooh, okay. And then we have the like niece and nephew and their names are Julia and Patrick Simmons. I don't think they're like, they're not direct niece and nephew of Miss Blacklock. They're like distant relatives, but she just calls them niece and nephew. Okay. And then there is this woman named Dora Bunner. And she is a companion to uh, Miss Blacklock. Her name's Dora? Dora Bunner. Or Miss Bunner. Okay. And then we have Mitzi, who is the Polish chef. (laughs) And then finally, there is this woman named Mrs. Hames. And they call her the boarder. So she's like a paying guest in the house. Mrs. Haynes? Haynes, yeah. And so she works at a nearby house as a gardener, but there just wasn't room for her to stay in that house, so she pays to stay at this house. Okay. So they've, you know, they're all sitting around at breakfast, they've read the paper, they've seen this, and later Miss Bunner and Miss Blacklock are kind of sitting together, and Letty is upset, like Miss Blacklock's upset, because she thinks this is like a mean joke. And we kind of get now a little bit more description of Miss Bunner, the companion. And she's kind of just like bumbling around and we we get her background. So she had been living on her own, but couldn't work because she's just so, uh, I don't want to call her stupid, but she just makes so <laughs> many mistakes with everything she does. Oh my God. So she couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> she couldn't keep a job. And so she had written a letter to Letty asking for help because she couldn't support herself. Um, Letty was an old school friend. They had like grown up together and Letty kind of like swooped in to help her. Oh, okay. Okay. And brought her to live with her. That's so sweet. Yeah. So then Miss Blackwalk at some point during the day realizes that the whole village is going to arrive at the house because there's been this ad in the paper that's basically inviting everybody. And so they kind of have to prepare for it. Like, maybe in today's day and age, you'd post, like, a note on Facebook being, like, don't show up. But yeah. she'd have to call everybody and that's not practical. Oh, my God. I feel like, couldn't you just post back in the newspaper being, like, actually, this isn't true? I don't know. But 
guess that wouldn't she could have except that it's the it's the same day like the ad appears friday morning and the it's for friday evening oh okay oh wow oh my gosh that's so much stress yeah jeez yeah <laughs> <laughs> last minute party at your house <laughs> <laughs> So she gets Mitzi to prepare some like refreshments and they're all like the whole household is kind of sitting in the sitting room waiting for people to arrive. And the sitting room is actually two rooms connected. So, you know, you'd have one room and then like an archway into a second room. Okay. And so she asks her nephew Patrick to move the sherry from the first room into the second room. So to, and, and the refreshments to kind of like hide them so that when people come in, like they they could, maybe get rid of them without having to show that they were expecting guests. Like, that's the idea. Wait, what? Like, wait, that actually, wait, now I'm confused. They don't want it to seem like they were expecting guests? Okay, so, like, they're, this isn't, this is, like, they didn't put the ad in the paper. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, like, it's not their party. Yeah. But they're expect they know people are going to show up, but they don't really want to have to host anybody. So she's prepared these refreshments just in case people stay. But I think the idea is they might be able to, like, people will arrive saying they're here for the murder party. And they hopefully will be able to go, what are you talking about? Those people will leave. And they won't have noticed that, like, there's a bunch of food and drinks that have been prepared for them. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I see. That makes more sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. So everyone that I mentioned before, like all the village people, they all arrive is basically what happens slowly. And as they kind of come into the house, they all say the same things. So they praise like there's a big bowl of chrysanthemums, like the flowers. And everyone, everyone as they come in individually goes, oh, what a nice bowl of chrysanthemums. And then they also say... Oh, is that the central heating that's been turned on? And it's just like, you know, the cousin Julia is kind of making fun of it under her breath. <laughs> so, yeah, those are really weird things to say. I, it's just like you're trying to be conversational. That's I don't true. Know. Yeah, I'm going to praise the central heating of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so... At 6.29, Miss Blacklock offers people sherry because people have, like, clearly come to stay and it's almost 6.30, the time everything was supposed to arrive. And so Patrick goes into the other room to get it and Miss Blacklock gets up to go get the cigarette case by the archway. And at that moment, the clock strikes 6.30 and the lights go out. Oh, my God. Everyone at first is, like, or all the, like, guests are pretty excited because they still think this is a game, right? The the, the household is hosting. And so there's, like, you know, excited screams and people, like, start moving around and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, the door bangs open and a strong flashlight is shone across the room and a man's voice yells, stick him up. What? Okay. And so this is, again, to the guests who don't know what's going on, they're, they're kind of excited. They're like, oh, well, like, what a fun game. And they feel like that until two revolver shots are fired. And then the man whirls around and a third shot is heard and then he falls to the ground. What? Oh, my God. So, yeah, you can imagine. So you're standing in a room, the lights are off and three shots are heard. You're kind of freaking out. The lights won't turn back on. The switches won't go. And no one can find their lighter. There's all this pandemonium. And then screaming starts to be heard from the dining room. And so they, they're able to get in the hall and they open the, the dining room door has been locked from the outside. And so they get it open and Mitzi is in there, the cook, because she wasn't part of the party and she's yeah. screaming. 
the lights are on in the dining room, so it seems like they've just gone off in the sitting room. Yeah. So they also notice when they start getting candles out that Letty or Miss Blacklock is covered in blood. Like her whole, her, her shirt is covered in blood and her ear is bleeding. And um, she seems to have, they think she got shot in the ear. Like it, it, you know, went right past her head. Yeah. So by this point, Patrick has gone to the fuse box and has, has been able to get the lights back on. And he just says, yeah, a fuse in the sitting room has gone. And so now they can see the man who's lying on the floor. And Miss Bunner exclaims, Letty, Letty, it's the man from the spa hotel. Oh, what? The spa? Oh, my gosh. I know. Lots of information. So yeah. we're going to try and explain. So that was a whole exciting night. Of course, the police get called. And so we, we get introduced to the, the police officers that are going to be on the case. And so we have Chief Constable Rydisdale. And he's not going to be a part of this story so much. He's just overseeing the case as a whole. Mm-hmm. The inspector that's actually going to be on the case is called Craddock. C-R-A-D-D-O-C-K. And so he is a very methodical man. And he is someone who, you know... Just because something looks a certain way, he's not necessarily going to believe it unless, like, all the facts add up. Mm -hmm. So it's been found out based on the description of the man that the dead man had was actually the one that put the ad in the paper. And they found out that his name is Rudy Schertz. He did work for the spa hotel and they were able to confirm that with the manager. And the police are kind of thinking that this was a super weird place for him to, like, have a hold up like to rob because as miss blacklock has told the police there was very little jewelry in the house and at most like five pounds there was like no money either so they just thought it was weird that this guy would like you know have a hold up of at the house yeah they also found that he did not have a permit for a gun or did he declare it when he came to the country so he's actually a swiss guy he's from switzerland oh Mm mm-hmm so he kind of got all the information about the man. And then Craddock decides he wants to go investigate the spa hotel first and like question the people around there. Mm-hmm. So the manager admits that he had kind of thought that Rudy Shirts was overcharging customers. And so what I mean by that is that, you know, he'd give one bill to the customers that had extra items on it. And then he'd give a another bill to the hotel, like keep a bill for the hotel that didn't have those items on it. And then he'd pocket the difference. So the customers would pay more money than they actually owed and Rudy shirts would keep it. Yeah. And so the manager was kind of saying he could never, he could never prove it, but that that's what he thought was going on. And so it's kind of building this guy's character as like, he's a little shady. So next Craddock interviews the like girlfriend that Rudy was going out with. Ooh, okay. And her name is Myrna Harris, and she's a uh, she was a waitress at the spa hotel in the restaurant. So that's how they had met. And she says, like, basically, she knows absolutely nothing about what had happened, and that she thought that he was that Rudy was a very kind of like like he treated her really well. He brought her to the movies. He bought her flowers. Like she thought he was a nice guy, but she did think that he told like what I'm calling hot air stories. Like he'd say he could do something like he hiked all these mountains, but she doesn't think he actually did those. He was just telling her stories to make her like him. Okay. So he like brag or not even brag, just like kind of lied, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. So again, just like describing his personality. Yeah. So from there, Craddock arrives at Little Paddock's and he gets a full report from the sergeant who's on duty there. So Rudy Schertz had arrived in the village at 6 p.m. via the bus. And so they had confirmed that with like the bus driver. And they know from the household that the side door had been locked at 5.30 and nothing in the house had been forced. So he didn't force his way into the house anyway. So we either... Uh, he found a door left open or a window or something like something like that mm-hmm. or someone let him in they also haven't figured out how the lights went out yet because basically it would either have to be like something would have had to short the outlet in the room to like blow a fuse basically or you would have had to manually turn off turn it off in the fuse box the lights to the living room yeah and Nothing had fused in the sitting room. They, like, checked checked through it all. And the fuse box was near the kitchen, like, was by the kitchen where the maid Mitzi was working. Like, he would have had to walk past her to flip the fuse. Yo, it was an inside job. I can already tell. I feel like like (laughs) someone in the house has it out for Miss Letty. And I don't know. Mm. I think they're trying to kill her, but we'll see. (laughs) That's that's where you're at right now. Yeah. (laughs) You need more information to to say why, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Craddock gets into the house and he first meets with Miss Blacklock and Miss Bunner, who he describes as scatty. So just to give you some more description of her. And he kind of takes in the room, like he's sitting in the sitting room and he's taking in the setting of everything. And Miss Bunner is like, she's noticing this and so she's going how she's upset about the furniture because during this whole like kerfuffle when the lights had gone out tables had gotten knocked over a leg was broken like a table leg was broken someone had put their cigarette out on the table by the archway and like left a burn mark and so she was you know fussing about that because she's a very I don't know materialistic person I guess yeah so Miss Blacklock describes when she first saw Rudy at the spa hotel mm-hmm. and so Rudy had come up to her and asked Miss Blacklock if she remembered him from he had been working at a hotel in Switzerland when she had been there with her sister. Oh, okay. So she's met him before? That's what he had said. But she says, like, yes, I was in Switzerland, but like, how how could I possibly remember a hotel attendant? Like, maybe I met him, but I, I honestly don't know. And then he had come by the house 10 days ago, like he'd come to Little Paddocks and had been asking for money to get back to Switzerland. But Miss Blacklock was immediately like, that's, that's a hoax. Like you're, there's no way that's true. You're trying to scam me. Yeah. So then Craddock suggests, do you think he could have been scouting out the house? And that was his reason for coming down to ask for money. It was like a, a blind. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah. Exactly. So they're kind of thinking through this. And Miss Blacklock is like, honestly, I don't know. I don't like, it's possible. Yeah. So then Miss Blacklock confirms that she she knows she had locked the door, the side door at 615 because she had gone out to feed her ducks. Wait, I thought it was locked at 530. So Mitzi said that the door was locked every day at 530. And it could have been but Miss Blacklock went out through the back door and then came back in at 6.15 and then definitely locked it. Oh, but okay. while she was out feeding the ducks, it was Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of giving that as like a possible way he could have got in. And then she says that the front door was normally left open and then locked at when it was dark. So again, it could have been open. Yeah. Okay. 
So then Miss Bunner kind of cuts in and she goes, I've told you so, Lottie, all along it was revenge. I'm not exactly sure where that came from, but it was this, like, it was again this, like, Miss Bunner kind of just says things, but I don't know, the idea that she didn't, this that she didn't give him money, he came to, like, attack her, I don't know. Yeah, Miss Bunner's just kind of off her rocker. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, Miss Blacklock tells him that her two young cousins that aren't really cousins, they're just distant relatives, they had arrived about two months ago because they're both studying in the nearby city of Melchester, where there's like a university. Okay. So next he interviews Julia, one of the young cousins, and she gives Craddock this like limpid stare, which really annoys him. It's like this like ugh, do I have to be here kind of look. Like, you know, doesn't care about anyone but herself. She doesn't care that her, like, aunt just got shot. <laughs> she's like, this is just... Well, they're, like... But I guess, like, she's fine, like... Yeah, no one's thinking that the aunt actually got shot at yet. Oh, okay. okay. You're thinking that, That's and nice. I might be thinking that, yeah. and other people might be thinking that, but in this story, they are not thinking that. Yeah. But sure, they're just like, that's just, like, a weird thing that happened, so... Yeah. Yeah, crazy that he actually had a gun. Yeah, like, who does that? (laughs) (laughs) So Julia thinks that Colonel Eastbrook, Easterbrook, and Patrick had gone into the other room because Patrick had gone in to get the sherry, and so the colonel had followed him. And then she also remembers that the flashlight had kind of played across the room. Um, Not that it wasn't, like, just shone into the room. It kind of, like, moved around. And she does not think that the shots were deliberate at Miss Blacklock. Yeah, so she saw just the colonel go into another room? Uh, So this is where it kind of, this is important when I was talking about before, how the sitting room is kind of two rooms that are connected by like an archway thing. Yeah. So Patrick had gone into this that secondary room that's still technically the sitting room because there's no door. It's just like a Okay, so it's just like open. Walkway, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So technically it's a second room. So Patrick had gone there and Colonel Easterbrook had followed him. So she's just kind of, they're all trying to remember where everyone was at the time. Okay. Okay. So she's, so that's Julia's information. So then Craddock goes to interview Mitzi and she has no interest in talking to the police. So she is a, she's like a refugee from Poland. So she had been, she kind of says she'd been polishing the silver in the dining room when she'd heard the shots go off. And so she had gone to like go out of the dining room, like open the door and the door had been locked. And so that's when she started screaming because she was like, oh my gosh, someone locked me into this room. Oh. Yeah. So then they find Patrick is just coming into the house. He had been out and he basically doesn't share anything new. Like he just kind of describes what had happened from his point of view, but it's not interesting. Yeah. In my opinion. Oh, okay. <laughs> and therefore, you will know nothing else because I didn't write it down. Okay, that's fine. So now, and now Craddock's kind of interviewed everyone that's in the house. And so now he goes out to find all the other people that were present for the party. And so that starts with Philippa Hames, so or Mrs. Hames, how I described her before. And so she's the, the paying guest at Little Paddock's that works as a gardener at another house. Mm-hmm. So she's currently in the apple orchard. And she's a very fair girl. She's very English is how she's described. I don't know if I know exactly what that means, but maybe some of my British audience can email me and let me know what it means if you're very English. 
especially like a 19 or 1940s very english i feel like it's like a different vibe i don't know i still picture like yeah or queen elizabeth yeah sure there you go so she's she has a very young son who's away at like prep school or boarding school and her husband's kind of out of the picture like she doesn't talk about him okay she's a young you know young woman fending for herself so Philippa then says that she had gotten home around 5.30, which is pretty normal for her around 5 to 5.30. And she had gone through the side door and she remembers locking it at 5.30 when she had got home. Okay. And she actually hadn't read the paper that morning. So everything was a real shock to her. Like the party that it was even happening, like it was just all confusion. So she was not in the know. Yeah. And she says that she had never seen the dead man before. And yeah, everything was a muddle. It's kind of her description. Okay. And then Craddock goes to see Mrs. Swettenham. And she can't remember where she was when the lights went out. She's like trying to work through it all. But she just, you know, she can't remember who she was talking to. Her son, Edmund, he says that he was, he remembers talking to Julia. And he's, he says that he's pretty sure that he saw Mrs. Hames, Philippa Hames, um, walk into the other room, like the other side of the sitting room, following Patrick, etc. Oh, uh, okay. So then Colonel Easterbrook gives Craddock a speech on psychology. So Craddock's gone to like ask him questions and he gets this big speech about how like psychology is so important and that's what the police should be using. And he says that the man, like it's you you would understand what happened if you understood psychology. Like you just walked into the room and he start sh- shooting willy-nilly into the room and then he realized what he had done that he act- actually hit someone and then he shot himself. And that's his that's that's what he thinks happened. The colonel's explanation. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So the Easterbrooks also say that they were standing together in the first room. Okay, so the Easterbrooks say that they were just talking to each other, but Julia said, oh, I saw the, like, Colonel, like, following Patrick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So then Miss Hinchliffe, she's being interviewed, and she had originally thought that the whole thing was a practical joke by Patrick. And so she was kind of surprised that anything happened, I think. Yeah. And then so she calls over her friend quote-unquote her her girlfriend yeah miss murgatroyd and she also seems like a little lost like not very quick and she had thought that the mitzi the cook was being murdered because when that like whole screaming started was right after the shots but i think she just like mixed them together oh and so then she doesn't remember too much And then finally, the last person he interviews is Mrs. Harmon. And she says straight up that she's going to be no use to him because as soon as the lights went out, she had shut her eyes. What? Because she was scared. She was scared. Oh, my God. (laughs) So she's like, I saw nothing. Oh, my gosh. Wait, so that's Miss Harnum? Harmon. Harmon. Oh. The vicar's wife. I also, I wrote Hardnum for some reason, but it's Harmon. Okay. Honestly, fair. As long, like, <laughs> spelling doesn't matter. Pronunciation doesn't matter as long as we're on the same page about who we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then the police get the report back from Switzerland that says Rudy Schertz was a well-known petty thief. Uh, and 
he had been to multiple different places, like stores or hotels or whatever, and would do different kind of tricks to get money. And so when Switzerland got too to be too much for him, that's why he moved to England to kind of rob some more people. Okay. He's moving up in the world. Actually, Switzerland, I feel like yeah. they have more money than England, but I guess he ran out of purpose. Well, uh, but the issue was is that they knew he was a thief. So Oh, that's true too, yeah. So Craddock, after hearing this about kind of like that Rudy Shirts is a like the petty theft and everything, his his superior, the 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 chief constable is like easy case closed. Rudy Shirts was holding up this house for a robbery and something went wrong and he shot himself. But Craddock feels like it must be more than that, but he just has no reasoning. Like he has no nothing to go on for why he feels that way. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of weird because there isn't like much money in the house. Like, also, why would he yeah. shoot himself? Yes. Like, I don't understand. Right? Exactly. So there's just a bunch of those kind of questions going around in Craddock's mind. Yeah. And then he's also told that they're going to be having lunch at the spa hotel because they had gotten a letter from an old woman, a Miss Jane Marple. So finally, our lovely detective enters the scene. Oh my gosh. So at lunch, Miss Marple kind of immediately cuts to the chase and shows them a check of hers that Rudy shirts had altered. And so she shows them that she had originally wrote written seven pounds on the check mm-hmm. and that he had altered it to 17 before he deposited it. Uh, okay. So she's kind of just again, showing them like, yeah, he was definitely doing this here. Yeah. And she also thinks that the girlfriend has more to say and is holding something back because at breakfast that morning when she was waiting tables she had been very spacey and forgetful whereas normally she's like really good and on top of things so she thinks that something's weighing on her mind and that she's going to tell the police something i don't know to be fair her boyfriend just died so i would give her kind of a pass for okay. that. but you know i'm trusting miss <laughs> marble for this you know she knows more than i do so <laughs> That's fair. I, I feel this. I kind of feel that when I'm reading these. It's like, oh, well, if Miss Marple says so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She also thinks she kind of is like, isn't it obvious? Like someone clearly put him up to it. Like this is not Rudy Schertz's work. Like he he's a petty thief. Like he steals little sums of money. He doesn't hold up a house party with a gun. Yeah. They also then kind of decide to do something a little unconventional. And they let Miss Marple read the case notes. So she thinks, she kind of like pounces on the important point, which is that nobody actually saw Rudy fire the gun because he was shining this like super bright light around the room. No one could see him. They just think like you afterwards, you kind of like play what play in your mind what you think must have happened, but they couldn't have actually seen him with the gun. And so she's kind of saying that she agrees that it was definitely has the appearance of being an attack on Miss Blacklock. But she's not she's not saying she thinks it's Rudy Shirts who is behind it all. Oh, it's just kind of like I think he was yeah there. He's probably set up and like framed. I think that's what it was. Yeah, that's her opinion, yeah. kind of, or what she thinks right now. So then Craddock goes to interview the girlfriend again, Myrna, and she admits that she hadn't told the police everything, and that. She had thought she'd get into trouble because she'd be like an accomplice to the murder. That's why she hadn't said anything. Mm-hmm. But that she says that Rudy had told her that he had been hired to do a sham holdup at a party. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't know by who, but it kind of confirms to the police that there was probably someone 
paying Rudy to do what he did. Yeah. As well, just just so you know, Mrs. Marple will still be in the picture because she actually knows the vicar and his wife who live in Chipping Clayhorn. So she's going to stay with them. Aw, okay. Keep, keep her eyes on things, you know? So then Craddock goes back to Little Paddocks to question Miss Blacklock some more. And when asked, she can't think of any possible enemies that she could possibly have. So Craddock goes to question Mitzi again. And he thinks that either she's involved with things somehow or that she must know something else. So he's kind of like questioning her more thoroughly. That's what I would think too. Because like, you know, I feel like I'd want to know how is Miss Blackwell like treating the help at the house, you know? She's a good employer. Mm. It it seems like you get the vibe that yes, that she's you know, she's kind of protected of, of Mitzi when the police want to question her. She's like, leave her alone, like she doesn't you're you're being prejudiced against foreigners, like that kind of thing. So she I I'd say she gets she gets brownie points for that. Oh, okay. You know, like in that day and age, that would have been considered a good like yeah. you're doing all you can. But whereas, yeah, she seems yeah. 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 She's probably fine, but you know, still suspicious oh yeah yeah you gotta think of everything i'm with you so mitzi confirms that she had locked the front door at 4 p.m that day because the newspaper announcement about the the murder announcement had scared her so she had kept the door locked yo how many times is this side door being locked (laughs) like locked and unlocked so this or the front door this is the front door oh okay separate yeah she's confirming that the front door was not unlocked she had locked it. How did people get into sense. the house? Like through the front? Or I guess that doesn't really matter. I'm just thinking the gas. I think like most people come in through the front door. Yeah. Okay. But she just locked the front door at four. Oh, so I guess like nobody could have really come into the house. Unless they came through the house from the side door, like between four and five thirty. Yeah. Or just any time earlier than four. But then I guess you would have had to hide in the house for a really long time. Yeah. So Mitzi also shares that after Rudy had come to the house for money, so you'll remember Miss Blacklock said that 10 days earlier, Rudy had come by asking for money. Yeah. So Mitzi says that after that, she had seen him and Mrs. Haynes had gone around to the summer house together. Wait, she saw and Rudy then, like, met up. and Mrs. Haynes at the summer house? Yeah, so I don't know what a summer house is, but let's say it's a shed. That's oh, okay. way I'm describing it. Okay, let's, I'm just thinking like a super fancy house and they're like having an affair or something. No, it's uh, who who really knows, but they, they met up. And so Mitzi has been described constantly as a liar. And so, and she also really doesn't like Mrs. Hames. Like they're not friends. So Craddock's kind of like taking this with a grain of salt. Like he's going to question Mrs. Hames about it, but... It's also very possible that Mitzi's just lying. Yeah. So then he goes back into the sitting room and he like he's trying the door and Miss Bunner comes down the stairs and tells him, oh, that's the dummy door. So this is again, so it's two rooms. The sitting room is like two rooms split by an archway. And so originally in the house, it would have been two separate rooms with two separate doors, but they've blocked off one of those doors for the second half of the sitting room. So that it can all be one room with one door. Okay. So she says that's the dummy door that, that Craddock was trying to go into. It doesn't open. She says they're used. They had a. They used to have a hall table against the doors so that you wouldn't forget, but it had been moved recently to some other part of the hallway. And then when kind of questioned further, she kind of says, "Oh, it's just locked." And so they find the key, and the door opens easily. 
because it's been oiled recently. So it has not been sitting there unused for years. It was just used. Oh, what? Okay, this is, oh my gosh. Okay. This is, there's just so much in this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. There's still more to come. I know. It's, we're getting there, Mina. <laughs> so he tells Miss Blacklock this. And when she hears about the door, she kind of immediately understands the implications because it means that someone could have gone out through that door and come around behind Rudy's shirts and fired the gun. Oh. Without anyone knowing. It puts it puts things into perspective a little bit. Yeah, damn. Okay. So now Craddock asks Miss Blacklock about her will, who responds that everything goes to Patrick and Julia except for a small annuity that's to be left to Miss Bunner. My understanding of what annuity means, maybe you have a better understanding, is that it's like a sum of money that like pays out a certain amount every year. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, yeah. Oh my gosh. What if it was the two... This is just like... I'm not really guessing. I'm just thinking it's her niece and nephew and they're trying yeah. to pay off their school right now. Like, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. In today's day and age, yeah. for sure. How, do, I, do we know how long Mitzi has been working for the house? Like for Miss Blacklock? So Miss Miss Blacklock has only been living there a year. Oh, okay. She had been in Europe so basically, I, this book was written in 1950, but I think the idea is that it's set, like, right after the war, okay. like, a year after the war. So Miss Blacklock and her sister had been stuck in Europe during the war, and her sister, Charlotte, had actually passed away of what they call consumption. Oh, she's an alcoholic? While they were there. Yeah, I'm looking it up because I don't think it means alcoholic. Oh. Okay, it's tuberculosis. Why, wait why do they call it consumption if it's tuberculosis what i have no idea this this comes up a good amount in my life somehow like when i'm reading books and i never know what it means and then i'll look it up and i'll go oh yeah right and then i'll forget it again. yeah tuberculosis also known as consumption is a disease caused by bacteria that usually attacks the lungs blah blah blah, blah, blah. oh i guess maybe at the back they're like thinking the bacteria is like eating the lungs i guess consumption. yeah i don't know that's super oh, okay interesting right but it does make you think like alcohol or like like something like that yeah okay so julia and patrick get everything in the will but then like a small portion is like given out like as an annuity to mrs hames to miss bunner oh sorry miss bunner companion Uh, yeah okay so then Miss Blackhawk also kind of says, like, this is, like, sure, they get some of my money, but I basically, I don't have anything. Like, I'm not a rich woman. Oh, she's broke? But I thought she had money. She, like, she's, she can pay, she can live oh, comfortably. Okay. Or, you know, she lives within her means or whatever, but she's not rich. Like, she doesn't. It's not, like, you know, enough, she doesn't have yeah, it's not enough to be like, oh, I need to kill her to get this money now. Yeah. Like, it's not like, this is my rich aunt. It's like, this is my average aunt. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then she also points out, Mina, this is the real kicker, that she will be a very rich women, woman soon. Mm. And so then you're like, okay, tell me more. Yeah. And so she kind of goes into this story of how she had been a secretary to this, like, rich financier, financier dude. And they had been, like, like kind of, like, partners in crime. Like, she had almost been, like, a junior partner to him. Like, they had traded on the stocks and she had really helped him and so when he had died he had left all his money to his wife mm-hmm. whose name is Belle but 
then it was in his will that when the wife died, Miss Blacklock would get all the money. Ooh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So Belle, the wife, is very near death. Like, she's a dying woman. And so when she dies, Miss Blacklock is going to inherit. Oh. Do we... What if Miss Blacklock dies before Exactly. Good question. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm super invested in this. Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) So uh, I think Craddock asked the same question. And so Miss Blacklock answers that if she dies first, the, the rich financier that she had worked for his sister's kids will inherit Belle's money, the wife's money. Oh, but who are his sister's kids is my question. That is the question of the hour, Mina. I cannot answer that. Oh, damn it. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Miss Blacklock is supposed to get money from Miss Belle's dead husband after Miss Belle dies. Yeah. And if if Miss Blacklock dies first, the the sister's kids get the money. And so this, but the problem is, is that this sister, she was estranged. She had like a fight, her and her brother had a fight about her husband. And so she had kind of gone off and married him and said, screw you. They stopped talking to each other. But she had written a letter to Belle, her sister-in-law, when she had had twins. And she had told Belle that she was naming them Pip and Emma. Pip and Emma. Oh my gosh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then based on like to the time frame, Miss Blacklock assumes they'd be in their mid twenties. Oh my gosh. What if, I guess, no, that's, that's really, this would be really stupid, but Julia and Patrick, they're also in their twenties, but like Miss Blacklock has known them for like ever, right? Well, that's, that's what we have to find out. Has she known them for forever? Yeah. They just moved in two months ago. Yeah interesting okay yeah keep yeah keep that in mind (laughs) we'll come back to that Uh, so we've gotten all that information so then craddock goes to question philippa hames a little bit more about what mitzi had said about rudy and the shed or the summer house Mm -hmm. and so mrs hames obviously she denies everything she says of course it's the sort of clumsy lie mitzi would tell because she hates me (laughs) Why does she hate her? <laughs> like, I, it's a little unclear, honestly. I don't know, but they, neither of them like each other. Okay. So then Craddock goes to the vicarage and he sits down with Miss Markle to chat. And she talks about how village life is very different now than when she was younger. And that everyone just comes from everywhere. So in, in the old days, if you move to a village... Everyone already knew who everyone was, and so you were the new person. And so everyone would find out about you and who you were and where you came from and all of that. But nowadays, no one's from a village. Everyone's from elsewhere. So there's people from India, from China, from Germany, from France, from different parts of England, from Scotland. Like, it's just anyone could say there's someone else and you wouldn't know. Oh, true. Because they're not vouched for. Yeah. So that gets Craddock to thinking, but we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. So then Miss Marple and Mrs. Harmond go over to Little Paddocks for tea. So Miss Marple is finally getting to meet all the people. Mm-hmm. And she kind of talks about memories and photographs. And she finds out through this, like asking, oh, Miss Blacklock, I'm sure you have pictures of your nieces and nephew, like Patrick and Julia. And this gets Miss Blacklock to admit that she's never actually met these relatives before. And she hasn't seen their mo- mother in 30 years. Oh, hmm. okay. Interesting. 
Uh-huh. Yo, no. We're just, yeah. you know. Yeah, my money right now is on Julia and Patrick, who are actually Pip and Emma, I feel. Mm, they're like working as a duo. Yeah. Or do you think it's like one and not the other? Um, no, I think they're working as a duo. Okay. That's what it has to be. Okay. So we don't know that Julia and Patrick are who they say they are, but they might be. Then Edmund goes to see, we kind of get a new perspective. Edmund goes to see Philippa Hames as she's working. And he, he, I guess, I guess the idea is like they're kind of the same age. Okay. And he is trying to get her to talk to him and talk about anything. Like he just wants, he wants to get to know her better. And then he asks her to marry him. So that was a really quick transition. What? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And so she says, definitely no. Okay. I was going to say, like, I really hope she doesn't say yes. um, Because that's a little weird. No, she's like, she's like, dude, I don't even want to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not going to marry you. I like that women even back then aren't very desperate, you know. (laughs) So meanwhile, the kind of sergeant on duty in town has been left alone in the house in Little Paddocks. And he's kind of been left with free will to search everything. And so he's going through everyone's rooms and he's disappointed to find absolutely nothing of importance. But while he's there, he hears a noise downstairs. And so he calls down thinking that it's Miss Blacklock returned home. But it's actually Mrs. Swettenham. And she says she was just dropping off some vegetables. And that that, that's totally normal. She's kind of like, of course the door is left open. How awkward would it be if you went to someone's house to drop something off and they weren't there and the door was locked and then you couldn't drop it off? Like, that's ridiculous. Bro, that's weird. You leave it on the porch. Like... So I, I I think that's what we would say, but people at this time were like, no, I want to go right into your kitchen, set it down. <laughs> I want to make sure it makes it to your counter, like, perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. That's kind of weird, but okay. Okay, Miss Swettenham. Yeah. So she kind of, like, almost laughingly says, of course I come into the house. And then she leaves. But it makes the sergeant realize that anyone could have come into the house and oiled the door or done anything you know like the door like oh. Mitzi frequently went out on walks in the afternoon and Miss Blacklock and Miss Butter might go into town Julia and Patrick were off at school and Mrs. Hames was working so the house was empty all the time oh my gosh wow okay this house is not safe oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> it's investments of locks <laughs> true <laughs> so while all of that is going on murgatroyd and hinchliff are acting out the hold up like they're going through it in their minds how it possibly could have happened and this is mostly hinchliff miss hinchliff who is like interested in like kind of figuring it out and she's the one that realizes and that so the rudy shirts guy like the this hold up guy he had to open the sitting room door he was holding a flashlight and theoretically holding a gun. And so Miss, Miss Hinchliffe is pointing out to Miss Murgatroyd, like, you'd have to have three hands. You can't do all of those things at once. You'd be, like, fumbling all over the place. To be fair, he could have had a pocket, you know, and put the gun in there while he's walking through. But but so the I, – I haven't said this, but I will now because this is not was terribly important before. The sitting room door swings closed. Like, it isn't on a um, – it doesn't stay open when you open it. Oh. So he would have 
I think just based on the way he was standing, he had to be holding the door open. And then they know he was holding the flashlight. And so either he wasn't holding the door and he was holding both the revolver and the flashlight and someone was holding the door open for him. Or he wasn't holding the revolver, he was holding the door open and the flashlight. Oh, oh okay. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and then another meanwhile, so this is kind of just like all, everything that's going on in the village at the same time. Colonel Easterbrook is asking his wife, have you seen my revolver? And she's like, what do you mean? He says, well, I keep it in my collar drawer all the time and it's not here anymore. And Mrs. Easterbrook says that she's pretty sure that she saw it there the day after the murder or the death of the Rudy Shirts guy. And so that makes them feel safe and think, oh, well, then we don't have to tell the police this gun's missing because it definitely couldn't have been used for the shooting. Oh, but like now it's missing. But now it's missing. Also, what a dumb statement. Like, oh, no, my gun's gone missing. No, I won't tell the police. Yeah, what the heck? Oh my god. Like, it's chill. Yo, somebody could have stolen that gun and then is trying to pin it on Colonel Easterbrook. Possible. Yeah. So, I think also, at the same time, Miss Marple goes into the village center and she kind of waits for the perfect moment to be able to sit down at the coffee sh- in the coffee shop, have a coffee with Miss Bunner. So, Miss Bunner goes into the shop and then Miss Oliver quickly follows her. And so, they talk about... Mrs. Haynes and Edmund being together because I don't know how, but Mrs. Markle has somehow noticed that there might be a budding romance between between the two of them. But she wait, didn't she say no to his proposal? <laughs> yes, but she also I won't get too into it, but it's this idea of that like she has she had a husband or she has a husband and so she'll never love again. Or like that whole thing. Okay, okay, I see. So she might actually like Edmund, but it's like a sense of duty that she can't date him. I, let's not get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry too much about okay. it. They're talking about that. And Miss Bunner is talking about how Miss Blacklock had had such a hard early life. And then they talk about money and like experiencing real poverty. And it's hard to be like old and on a pension. And how Miss Bunner kind of describes how she had written to Miss Blacklock for help. And she goes, Lottie came and whisked me away. What's so nice about her is that she really pretends that I am useful to her. That's real kindness. Because the idea was that Miss Blacklock had told Miss Bunner, you can help me around the house. And Miss Bunner's kind of saying that she realizes that she's not really helping because she's so like bumbling. But Miss Blacklock pretends that she is. And that's really sweet. That's so sweet. Okay, you know what? Miss Blacklock, like, she, nah, I don't think she's. You're on her side. Yeah, I'm on her side. I don't know who's trying to kill her, but yeah. (laughs) She's too nice of a person. So Miss Bonner says that in her opinion, she suspects Patrick. And that after the, the police officer, Craddock, had kind of like figured out about the door and it being oiled, she had remembered that days earlier, she had seen Patrick in the shrubs holding a feather and an oily cup. Was he writing a letter? Yo, I bet he was just writing a letter. I don't know, man. In the shrubs? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's also kind of weird. Unless he was just, I don't know, kind of embarrassed of what he was writing. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what he was doing. 
She also says that she thinks he tampered with the lamp in the drawing room because it was a shepherdess and now it's a shepherd. And at that moment, Miss Blacklock kind of comes in and asks Miss Butter if she's ready to leave. And so they get up and go. Oh, okay. And then Mrs. Harmond, the vicar's wife, she comes in and sits down with Miss Marple and they get to chatting. And they talk about who Miss Marple is being reminded of back in St. Mary Mead. So Miss Marple's like home village is St. Mary Mead. And that's like come up on it in a few previous Miss Marple books. Okay. And so Miss Marple is just saying how she's really worried because if it really is Pip and Emma, they're going to try again and they're going to try again soon. Yeah. They're coming after her. So maybe the next day, Craddock goes to Scotland to visit Belle. So that wife, like the woman who's dying and going to leave all the money, she is living in Scotland. And so he gets there and the nurse says like, yeah, she has like max a few weeks to live uh, and that she's prepped her medication. So Belle will be able to talk to Craddock, but she'll only be able to talk for so long before the like morphine affects her. I don't know. There's something about like how she she's basically kind of partly comatose. So um, Belle, the, the dying widow, she, she was super fond of Miss Blacklock, who she calls affectionately Blackie. Aww. She's kind of talking, like, talking about Miss Blacklock's early life and how she had been living at home with like a pig-headed doctor father who was like super imposing. And so she'd gotten way to go work in the city and she'd actually been really good. Like she had been really smart and really quick and a good worker. And that when her father had died, she had left, that's when she had left the business to go um, care for her sick sister. So her sister had, her sister Charlotte, she had like a deformation, like a physical deformation that made her, I guess, feel uncomfortable leaving the house. Mm. And it was growing or something like they're kind of talking about it. And so when her father died, she kind of went to like be there for her sister. So then she talks about um, her husband and her husband's sister and how they had quarreled because of her choice of husband. And so the the sister's husband was seen as like a crook, like he was seen as a bad guy. And she confirms that she had received a letter from her sister-in-law saying that she was going to name her kids Pip and Emma. So she's kind of confirming that, yeah, this is real. Okay. And then as she kind of like fades into unconsciousness, she calls out to Craddock to look after Blackie. Aww. Yeah. That's a sweet chapter. Yeah. So while, while that's happening in Scotland, little Paddock's the house is planning for a party because it's Miss Bunner's birthday. Okay. And so Miss Blacklock is instructing Mitzi to make her super rich, super delicious chocolate cake that Patrick has affectionately dubbed Delicious Death, I think because it's so rich. <laughs> so that's being prepared. And so that night, there's a there's a party with all the same guests as the murderers announced party, except for Mrs. Harmon and Miss Marple aren't there. Okay. Um, and so everyone's brought like little gifts. And so Mrs. Easterbrook is shocked to hear that the investigation is still ongoing because she just thought it was like, you know, suicide. And the fact that there's a police officer stationed outside the house because they're watching to make sure nothing happens. Yeah. She's she thought that was crazy. Wait, who said that? Mrs. Easterbrook. Okay, Mrs. Easterbrook. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So then after the party, Miss Bunner says, like, just from all the excitement and the richness of the cake, she has a headache, so she goes upstairs to lie down. But then she comes back shortly because she can't find her aspirin. And so both Miss Blacklock and Philippa offer her theirs. Like, Miss Blacklock's like, oh, mine's on my bedside table. Philippa kind of says the same thing. Okay. Wait, so who has a headache again? Sorry. Miss um, Bunner has a headache. Okay, Miss Bunner has a headache. Okay. Yeah, and she's gone to lie down. So then Miss Blacklock pulls Philippa aside and she tells her, listen, I've altered my will. I just did it yesterday. I'm now leaving everything to you, not oh, Patrick what? and Julia. Oh my gosh. So she's kind of she's kind of saying Patrick and Julia, like tech or technically related, but it's so far removed. Like I don't know them and I've just grown grow really fond of you. And I know you have this young son in school and I want you to be able to provide for him if anything happens to me. Oh uh, wait, okay. So Miss Hames? Is getting all the money now? Yeah, Philippa Hames. Okay. Wow, weird. Okay. Yeah. So Philippa is like shocked and she's almost mad. She's like, why would you do this? Like, you really didn't need to. Like, probably just in shock yeah. is, is kind of where her reaction is coming from. Okay. And so Miss Blacklock leaves the room and Julia replaces her. She comes into the room okay. and she has overheard everything. And she kind of goes, wow, Philippa, you're a dark horse. Like, look at you go stealing this money from us, basically. Yo, what if, like, I I don't know, low-key, I'm thinking Miss Blacklock is, like, thinking, like, okay, the murderer is somewhere in this party. I want them to overhear what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I think Philip has the same idea that, like, Julia, or no, Julia says, I think Miss Blacklock wanted me to overhear. Yeah, because it's kind of weird. Also, yeah, like, Miss Haynes, like, that's so out of nowhere. Yeah. But that, that what else we get out of this conversation is that both Julia and Philippa seem to have known about the widow, Belle, who, when she dies, will leave all the money to Miss Blacklock. So they both have an idea that in the future, Miss Blacklock will be richer. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So Craddock returns from Scotland and he goes to the city of Milchester, which is nearby, and he gives his report to the chief constable. And he is kind of leaning towards that it's Patrick and Julia because they're the right age, like they're in the house, like they're they've only been there for two months. They're kind of like, can we confirm their identity? And sadly, they kind of can because the police have reached out to Mrs. Simmons, the mother. Mm-hmm. And she said, she was basically like, of course my kids are there. Like, where else would they be? Like, yeah, I sent them there. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then they say they've dug up something on Mrs. Easterbrook. And they're kind of laughing a little bit, saying, like, she's not who she says she is. And that's going to be a shock if Colonel Easterbrook ever finds out. But they don't say who's, like, what it's about. Oh, okay. They never so. say throughout the book what it's about. They're just like... You, I'm, I'm getting the idea because uh, Agatha Christie doesn't write about like sex things. Okay, yeah. So is she a sex worker? That's what I was. That's gonna be like it. It does not say that, but that's my assumption. Yeah. Is that the reason it's not mentioned is because it has something to do with sex. Okay. Okay. Or even like a dancer, like something provocative. Yeah. So there's that. So as the two, like the police officers, are kind of discussing all of this. They get a call from the town of Chipping Cleghorn because Dora Bunner is dead. What? Oh my god, yeah. the aspirin. Whose aspirin did she take? Good question. Okay, so she asked for aspirin from 
Miss Blacklock and who else had aspirin again? Miss I think honestly, I think the whole house. So Miss Miss Blacklock said there's some on my dresser. Philip Haim said there's some in my room, and then Julia I think said there's some in the bathroom cupboard or something like that. Oh, okay. But it seems there were there weren't very many aspirin left in the bottle beside Miss Blacklock's bed, and they tested one of the aspirin left, and it wasn't aspirin. Of course, it was poison. Oh my God. So they they're pretty sure that she took she took that aspirin that was so they, beside Miss Blacklock's bed. And they were oh my God, they're probably trying to poison Miss Blacklock actually, and then Miss Bunner's just a unfortunate casualty. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So now it's like now there's been two deaths. So Miss Marple ends up bringing a note from the vicar to Little Paddocks after after this death, and the note is kind of about the funeral. So neither the vicar or his wife had been able to go, like they'd both been busy, and so Miss Marple went, and she offers her condolences to Miss Blacklock, who basically starts weeping, and she says that Dora Bunner had been the only person who remembered the old days. Like, she's kind of the only friend she had left after her sister had died, and now she's all alone. So she's very sad. And then Inspector Craddock comes by, and he wants to know if Miss Blacklock would recognize Sonia Godel. And so I've never said that name before, but that's the estranged sister of the rich financial guy. Oh, okay. So she's like so Sonia Emma's mom? Mother. Yeah, okay. exactly. Because so now he's kind of got on to, it, there could be, Pip and Emma could be in the picture, but the mother or the father could also be in the picture. So he's kind of going, this opens it up to even more people. Yeah. So Miss Blacklock tries to remember, because she says it's been like 30 years. She remembers her being like small and dark. And that she might have some snapshots somewhere in an album, but she can't remember where they were, but that Julia would know because they were recently looking at the albums. Okay. And so Craddock goes upstairs to find Julia and finds her coming out of the attic. And so she kind of goes, oh yeah, I remember where they are. And they go back downstairs to the hall cupboard and find the album. But when they open it up, the snapshots that would have been of this Sonia mother of Pip and Emma, Emma woman the snapshots have been removed. Oh my goodness. Okay. Like there's notes saying what the pictures would have been, but the pictures are no longer there. Oh my gosh. Craddock pulls Mrs. Hames aside. So this is separately. So we've, you know, we've had the whole um, album thing. And then Craddock pulls Mrs. Hames aside and he basically goes, why'd you lie to me and tell me that your husband was dead when really he was a deserter in the war? Like you have no idea if he's dead. And she kind of says, well, I don't, like, I don't like talking about it. No one here knows. I've told everyone he's dead, so why would I tell you any differently? Yeah. And so that's some more information they had found out that the chief constable had just told Craddock. Okay. So she says that she hasn't seen him for years, that he's not in her life. She's not sure if he's alive. And Craddock kind of thinks this is a lie, and he's pressing her, but he's not saying that. He thinks that her husband was actually the man who had met her by the shed slash summer house and that Mitzi had just not recognized him and thought it was the oh. the Swiss man, Rudy Shirts. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So now we've got like, there's this new pi- person in the, in the picture. Yeah. And then suddenly after talking to Philippa Hames, he kind of wonders 
what was Julia doing in the attic of the house? So he goes up there to kind of look around for himself. What are you thinking? What was she doing? What do I think she was doing up in the attic? I have yeah. no clue. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Yo, probably finding the pictures of her mother and then getting rid of them. So, but the album, oh, the, albums, the were albums weren't up there. Oh. They were downstairs. Yeah. Bro, I have no clue. I'm really bad. Okay, so I like Craddock also isn't sure what he's looking for, but while he's up there, he finds a box of letters that were written from miss blacklock to her sister charlotte and they're dating back like years and years and years and so he takes them hoping that he'll find some clue about pip and emma okay or anything like just something to shed light on something yeah and so the next day he brings a letter that he's he's gone through all of them and he's picked out one and he shows it to miss marple and he's hoping that she can kind of help him decipher it so basically the letter boils down to Letitia Blacklock is writing about how this like sister Sonia problem, Sonia problem with her employer. And then she's talking about um, how business is going and like, you know, what kind of money they're making. She's telling your sister, you really need to start getting out more like this disfigurement that you're worried about is not a big deal. No one cares. And she thinks that the iodine treatment is going to work. Okay. I think Craddock kind of says like it's, I really wish we could figure out where the gun came from or like who owns a gun in town. And Miss Harmon goes, well, Colonel Easterbrook owns a revolver and everyone in town knows because their cleaning lady knows about the gun. And so she's told everybody she found it in the drawer. Oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. So that opens up more possibilities. And around this time, a call comes in from the police station for Craddock And it's because a man had just died in hospital. It was Mr. Hames. They found out after he had died because several, I think 10 days earlier, he had saved a child from a truck accident. Like he had gotten them out of, out of the way of the truck, but in consequence he had been hit. And so had been like in a coma for 10 days and had now died. What? Oh my, okay. I literally wrote in my notes, Mrs. Hames' husband is back, question mark. And then right after, just kidding, he's dead. Yeah. and But it, it kind of shows he he had been found with a bus ticket on him from Chipping Cleghorn. So they, they're pretty sure that Mrs. Hames was lying and that she had just seen her husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, my gosh, Mina, we're getting there. Okay. So Mrs. Harmond is like going out for the day and she wants to turn on a light for Miss Marple. So, cause Miss Marple's like sitting in the room knitting and she has to like move a flower vase to like, to move the light around. And while she's doing that, she trips and spills and the water gets onto the cord that's been frayed and it fuses. So all the lights go out. Oh. And so that gets Miss Marple to thinking. Wait, so how long has that thing been frayed? Like maybe somebody did spill something on so the thing is frayed and the lights go off after the water spills on it. So then the person, I guess, like wouldn't even have to leave the room. They could just spill like something on the, oh, and there were drinks in the room, right? When like the night of the like attempted murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just thinking that maybe like nobody even like left the room. They could just like spill the drink on it on the frayed wire and then the lights go off. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something like that. But it makes you think, right? Yeah. Like there's 
opens up possibilities for sure. Too many possibilities. (laughs) (laughs) So, so meanwhile, Miss Hinchliffe is realizing that her friend, I keep saying her friend, her girlfriend, Mm -hmm. Murgatroyd, should know more about what actually happened because she's realizing that Miss um, Murgatroyd was standing behind the door when the intruder had come in. So when the intruder had been like flashing the light around the room, Miss Murgatroyd was behind the door and didn't have the light in her eyes. She was watching the light lit up other people's faces. And so Miss Hinchliffe is kind of saying, you should have seen who the light played on so we can know who was in the room and who wasn't in the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like playing through the scenario in their heads and Miss Murgatroyd has gone through. She had seen, she remembers seeing Miss Bunner's face and she remembers seeing Mrs. Harmond with her eyes tightly shut. Okay. Oh, so she actually had her eyes shut. <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of confirming those two people are definitely in the room when the lights, like when the guy came in. But before she can keep going, they get a call from the police station saying that their dog had been found and was at the police station. And so Hinchliffe, Miss Hinchliffe is like, I gotta go, like, we'll finish this later. And she basically runs out the door. She's gonna get killed. Oh, And so, but at this point, Miss Murgatroyd is kind of, she's yelling, wait, wait, but I'm not done. Like, I, I remember something. And she goes, like, she's kind of calling out to Miss Hinchliffe as she's leaving. She goes, but Hinch, she wasn't there. Who wasn't there? We don't know. So Hinchliffe leaves and she gets the dog and she's kind of coming back to the station and she sees Miss Marple walking along the road and it's kind of started to rain. So she picks her up and brings her home with her. And then when they get to the house, they find Miss Murgatroyd has been strangled to death. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. At least we narrowed down that it's a she who yeah. attempted the murder. She wasn't there. What? This is so weird. Oh my gosh. Now Miss Hinchliffe lost her partner. I'm so sad. Miss Hinchliffe is basically like, I will kill whoever did this. Yeah. Like, I will get revenge. Oh my gosh. So it just keeps going. Like, oh my gosh. There's so much more going on. So little Paddocks has just gotten the mail for the day and it's like the even, evening post and there's a few letters for Miss Blacklock and she opens one of them and it's from her niece Julia Simmons saying she's coming to visit. And so she shows the letter to Philippa who, and they're both shocked because... Isn't Julia there? Yeah, Julia's been living with them for the past two months, hasn't she? Oh my gosh. Oh wow, okay. So she calls down Patrick and Julia to be like, explain yourselves. Is this your sister, Patrick, or not? Yeah. So he admits that he had actually just met Julia at a bar on arriving in England, basically. And that his sister didn't actually want to go to school. She wanted to be on the stage, but they didn't want to have to tell her mother because her mother would have disapproved. And so this girl who's playing Julia was just like playing a part. And then she admits that her real name is Emma Stamfordis and she is Emma from Pip and Emma. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Of course, yes. obviously. Oh, we could see that. But Patrick is really Patrick Simmons. Oh, okay. Okay, so half mm-hmm. of the duo. Yeah. But where's Pip? But where is Pip? Is Pip even here? Yeah. So and so 
this I'm going to keep calling her Julia just to make things less confusing but she describes how her parents had separated when she was around five years old and each parent had taken a kid oh oh my god this is like the parent trap yeah exactly (laughs) and so Emma had gone off with her father and Pip had gone with their mother and so she's like I have no idea where my mother is I have no idea where Pip is oh and I haven't seen her since I was five. Oh my gosh so does she even really know about the will? Well, I guess now she knows about the will. I was just thinking like maybe only Pip knew about the will, but well, it we it seems that she knew be, or that Julia knew because she had talked to um, Philippa Hames the other day, and they would both known about this this woman dying in Scotland. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so she's come clean, and she admits. So she kind of says that she had come here, hoping she had was hoping that Miss Blacklock would be like you know, a, a, a kindly old woman and would have taken pity on an old orphan girl and given her money. But she says, I realized when I got here, that's not your personality. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. So around now, the police come to the house and they bring the sad news of Mrs. Miss Murgatroyd's death. And they also all find out at this time that Miss Marple is missing. Miss Marple is missing? Miss Marple's missing. What? Oh my god. She can go missing? What the heck? Okay. She knew too much. That's what it was. So Miss, like, all of this is just making Miss Blacklock, like, really anxious. There's been kind of, like, two attacks on her life. Other people are dying. And she starts to kind of, like, pull on her choker and it breaks and the pearls kind of go up everywhere. And she, like, rushes out of the room, kind of, like, clutching her neck and crying. Aww. It's like a security blanket, I guess. So the dinner goes weirdly at Little Paddock's because now you have just so much going on. Yeah. Uh, and Craddock calls up afterwards to say that he's invited everyone, like the whole village is coming over because oh uh, they're going to get this solved. Okay. And so he basically, he wants to question the three women. So they've kind of eliminated Miss Spunner and they eliminated Mrs. Harmon because Murgatroyd before she had like gone over everything had said that they weren't in the room yeah. like that she had seen them so there's still Miss Sweetenham and Miss there's Miss Sweetenham there's Miss um Easterbrook yeah Mrs. Easterbrook and Julia yeah. are the three women because I can't remember if I said this exactly but I think a number of people had confirmed that Philippa Hames had been in the other sitting room oh okay yeah they don't think it's Hinchliff. They just don't. Oh, or it couldn't have yeah, been. Yeah, that's true. Because she couldn't have killed Murgatroyd. Yeah. So they're questioning those three women. Where were you during the time period that Miss Murgatroyd would have been killed? Like that's the that's what they're focusing on. Yeah. And none of them have good alibis. Is what it boils down to. Yeah. I think we're close enough to the end that would you like to kind of take a stab at who you think? Okay. What you think is going on? Because the easiest way to go is that it is Julia, a.k.a. Emma, because she's uh-huh. like, oh, I need this money. Like, that's the easiest mm-hmm. thing to go for. But I don't think it's that, like, yo, actually, maybe I think she might have worked with somebody else also. Mm. Oh, my. Wait. Actually, no, never mind. Because it's going to say, like, maybe Mrs. Easterbrook was also, like, her mom because she actually lied about her mom but like not having seen her mom mm. forever but um miss blacklock i'm pretty sure would have recognized mrs easterbrook the mother yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Julia has something to do with this because, like, it's, okay. it's suspicious not to have her. Wait. So Julia does remember Patrick went into the second room with the colonel following him. But didn't somebody see Julia falling? Oh, no, no, no. But she was probably lying about that because the colonel was talking to his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think it was Mrs. Easterbrook. Yeah, because Mrs. Easterbrook was talking, but like, why? Okay. Oh <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah, right? it's so confusing. Okay. Because Mrs. Easterbrook was apparently talking to Mr. Easterbrook, mm-hmm. but Julia, so she saw him with like Patrick going to the other mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. So one of them is lying. Mm-hmm. Actually. What about Miss, Mrs. Swettenham? Yeah, Miss Swettenham, I'm just so confused about her, honestly. Like, Wait, let me double. Let me. You have a son in his mid twenties. Oh my god! <gasps> Wait, actually, yo, Miss Swettenham is lying. I'm pretty sure Miss. Oh wait, but this is super weird. Yo, I think maybe Edmund. Yeah, because he's in the his mid twenties. I think uh-huh. Edmund is Pip. Uh huh. But would Miss Swettenham be Miss uh, like Mr. Bell's sister? Mm-hmm. That like that'd be kind of weird that like Miss Blacklock like didn't recognize her after all mm-hmm. these years. Like yeah, okay, yeah. Could she pull that off? Yeah. But okay, no, no, no. Edmund, I feel like has to be Pip. Okay. So okay, I think Julia, uh, Julia slash Emma, and yeah. like Edmund were working together because Edmund's real name is Pip. Miss Swenham, okay. what does she have to do with this? Oh my gosh, wait, let me. <laughs> yeah, Miss Sunham just said she doesn't remember where she was, which is super weird because, like, how do you not remember mm. where you were mm-hmm. during a time like this? Okay, so, okay, my theory, what I'm gonna go for, is Julia and Edmund are actually like, well, we already know that Julia's Emma and Edmund's mm-hmm. Pip. And I think Miss mm-hmm. Sweatenham is just like some random lady that. Pip and Emma's real mom hired to like kind of chaperone Edmund so they could both mm. be in the same spot and then she's gonna get a part of this like inheritance. inheritance. So it's like a whole family affair. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, okay. I'm gonna lock in my answer as that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I should say that all the time. Yeah. Do you want to lock in your answer? <laughs> I like that. Okay. So Miss Hinchliff kind of vocalizes. So they're all they're all in this the sitting room again, and they're kind of they like those three women have been questioned. And so Miss Hinchliff vocalizes that Murgatroyd was the only person who could see what was actually going on in the sitting room. Like she because she was behind the door and the flashlight wasn't in her face. Mm-hmm. And at this moment, Mitzi, the cook, kind of bursts into the room and she says, "It's not true. I w- I saw something as well." She says that she saw who did it through the keyhole and that it was Miss Blacklock and that she'd been planning to like blackmail her later or something like that. What? And so Edmund Edmund goes to go, but that's not possible when Craddock kind of cuts him off and goes, yeah, because it was you. <gasps> oh, God. So he's they're attacking him saying like, you're the right age to be Pip, like it fits in. Uh, you you had no one like you no one saw you in the room you had opportunity etc etc 
when Mrs. Hames, Philippa Hames, cuts them off and goes, that's impossible because I'm Pip. What? Pip is a girl. <gasps> Philippa. Oh, my God. Philippa. Pip. Oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> Wait. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You got got me. I did. <laughs> I thought I was, like, on the right tr- Oh, my God. Wait. <gasps> Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but just I like it is. No, 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 it's kind of. Oh my gosh, yo, that's a big plot twist. Totally. Yeah. Oh my. So it's kind of like that. Nowhere did it say that Pip was a boy. We just we had this assumption. That's very true. Oh my gosh. Wow. So crazy, 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 and so that's all going on, and you know everyone's kind of lost when suddenly there's screaming heard from the kitchen. Oh my gosh. And so what? I guess no one noticed was Mitzi kind of made those accusations and then left the room and they didn't see Miss Blacklock sneaking out of the room after Mitzi. Wait, she snuck out of the room. What? So what had happened was Mitzi went back to the kitchen where she was washing dishes and Miss Blacklock came in after her and Mitzi said to her, I'll like I'll I'll tell them that I was lying and that I hadn't actually seen you if you want me to like that's fine and Miss Blacklock goes yeah that would be good like I don't I think you should make sure you tell them I hadn't done it and uh, Mitzi turns around to keep washing the dishes and Miss Blacklock pushes her head under the water what she killed Mitzi wait what so uh, Miss Blacklock is doing all this when she hears Miss Bunner the a dead woman's voice say. Now, really, Miss Blacklock, you shouldn't do that. And so that's when Miss Blacklock starts screaming and everyone runs into the room. And so I know I've confused you completely. I'm going to explain everything. So Miss Marple had figured all of this out and was hiding in the cupboard in the kitchen. And she was very good at doing voices, apparently. I've never known this, but apparently. And so I was doing Miss Bunner's voice and had set all of this up, like had told Mitzi what to say and how to act to get they they didn't have any proof and so they had to catch miss blacklock in the act of trying to drown mitzi to prove that she had done something what wait okay so mitzi was gonna wait oh my gosh i'm confused again okay wait (laughs) i'm confused yeah I, like, if you want to try and, like, work it out, like, go for it. But I'll also explain it after. Like, I, I got it all. I got the whole explanation. Yeah, I'm not even going to try. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's it's this whole crazy rigmarole. Basically, they arrest Miss Blacklock, take her away. And then Miss Marple goes to explain everything to everybody. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And so she kind of says that she had kind of realized something was up when Miss... Bunner, when referring to Miss Blacklock, would sometimes call her Letty yeah. and sometimes call her Lottie. Letty, yeah, I I heard that, but I thought I was just like mishearing. Yeah, so I thought when I was reading it that I was misreading yeah. the spelling of Lottie, but it hit me, and I was seeing if it would, it would hit you, if it hit anyone. Lottie is a nickname for Charlotte, oh the sister God. who had quote unquote died. What? Oh, what? Oh my goodness. So what had happened was Letitia, Letty Blacklock, had died in Switzerland. And Charlotte Blacklock had realized that now she, like this inheritance that was supposed to be coming to her sister wouldn't happen. And so because they were 
pretty similar looking and no one in Switzerland knew her. She had just said that Charlotte had died and that Letitia had survived her. Oh, wait. Okay. So the sister that had like the scarring, like she died. No, the, the other sister, the one that, the one that was bedridden, Charlotte, yeah, yeah. or not even bedridden, but just wouldn't leave the house. She had survived. Yeah. Oh, she survived. Oh, what? Oh my God. Yeah. So not the, not the secretary. The secretary had died, but then Charlotte had been pretending to be her secretary sister. Oh, oh my goodness. So she had told when she had gone to like get Miss Bunner, obviously Miss Bunner is an old family, like school friend. She clearly recognized it was Charlotte. And so Letty slash Lottie, like Charlotte has explained to her that like her sister had died and so now she wouldn't get this inheritance and so she was pretending to be her sister so that when Belle eventually died she would get the inheritance and could live happily with some money. Oh, okay. And so Miss Bunner had accepted this plot and it was all going fine until that guy Rudy Shirts had recognized Charlotte at the hotel. And so he really did recognize her. He had been but he hadn't been working at a hotel. He had been working at like a hotel where they did cures for this kind of like disfigurement. Oh, okay. And so it had been like some kind of lump or tumor on her neck that had been removed. And so that's why she always wore a choker of pearls. <gasps> oh, so that's why she ran out of the room when she, when it broke. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <gasps> uh, because that she would clearly be recognized. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So... This whole, when when Rudy had recognized her, she kind of realized or it made her feel like she wasn't safe because someone knew that she wasn't Letitia or Letty Blackhawk, like she was actually Charlotte. And so she had concocted this whole plan to kill him. Oh, oh my gosh. I know. It was crazy. So what had happened was she'd oiled that second door and then she had been, as Miss Bunner had said at the beginning of the book, she had been holding the vase of violets. She'd said she was holding the cigarettes, but that was a lie. She had already frayed the wire on that lamp and had poured water on it. Oh my gosh. Okay, so when you told me that, that like, Miss Megatroyd said, but she wasn't there, like, to me that sounded like she was talking about Miss Blacklock, but I was like, that makes no sense. So I just... Oh, I wish you would yeah, say something. Yeah, I, no, I, I was going to say about... Because I was like, the way she, like, says that, that, like, sounds like, oh, she's talking, like, directly about Miss Blacklock. But I was like, oh, but that's weird. Why would Miss Blacklock do that? So, oh, my God. That's so interesting that you had that thought. That's so interesting. Oh, my gosh. Wow. But I would not have been able to guess all this. Okay. <laughs> so she had, she had fused the lights. The lights had gone off. And this is also, uh, I'm going to explain everything because it's also interesting. When she had talked about the central heating, the reason that it was so important was because normally people would light fires and the fact that she had her central heating on was because she couldn't have the light from a fire in the house. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. And she could control that. Yeah. So she she gets the lights turned off and then she sneaks into the, the second, like the second half of the sitting room, goes out the door, has the gun ready, and then over Rudy Shirt's shoulder fires at where she had been standing yeah. so that it would look like the, the shots had been fired at her. She used nail clippers to clip her ear because she knew it would bleed a lot. Because apparently ears bleed a lot. I didn't know that, but... Oh, wow. <laughs> Anyways. 
And then she had shot Rudy Schertz as the, that was the intended, that was what was supposed to happen. Kill this man that could recognize her. Oh my gosh. She did have a lot. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Holy. So then Miss Bunner was a, was a problem because she had kept calling Miss Blacklock Lottie and like messing up and things like that. And so she was like a liability. Yeah. So she had thrown that whole birthday party and gotten like the rich chocolate cake as almost like a, like, oh, yeah. they're kind of saying how you would treat a dog, like, and make them have a really good last day before you kill them. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's so sad. She got a headache. And, oh my gosh. Yeah. The sugar gave her a headache. Yeah. And so she knew she would take the aspirin and she had hidden Miss Bunner's aspirin, knowing that she would come and take hers. Oh my God. This one and then. She had heard Miss Murgatroyd and Miss Hinchliffe talking about it, and when she realized that Miss Murgatroyd had could uh, had seen that she wasn't there, then she had had to kill her as well. Oh wow! Oh my god! It was a lot, right? Yeah, that is so much. Wow, I would not have guessed that at all. Like, uh, like at one point, I was like, "Oh, what if like this is all a front, like for Miss, yeah, for Miss." Uh, What's her face? Black walk. I was like, nah, she seems too nice. Like, she seems fine. But they're doing that. Agatha Christie got you. She's, She's doing it. it on purpose. Oh my gosh. Wow. That was really good. That was a good story. I'm glad you yeah, liked I it. I really liked it. Holy. <laughs> so, as you can see, I said I was going to aim for like an hour and a half, and we're at 215. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see where I get it down to when I edit okay. it, but um, you can just you can just see how it gets away from me. Yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. I feel that I have the best intentions. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. So thank you to everyone at home for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. You should totally go listen to all of the other ones. This is episode eighteen, so there's lots more to listen to. Um. You can follow me on Instagram. Actually, you should totally follow me on Instagram because I post awesome content, great pictures, and updates on when the podcast is coming out and things like that. Anything else? Thank you, Mia. No problem. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. This is so much fun. Yes, great. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) 